Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from the Restart Project, and I'll be your host. Today I'm joined by John Dawes and Lauren Crilly from Repair Café Glasgow. Hello. Hello. Hi, nice to be here. Great. Welcome to the show and thanks for coming to London to visit us. In today's episode, we're obviously going to talk about the community repair movement as it evolves and how it's spreading in Scotland and across the country and review uh, tech news from within the last few weeks. Uh, It's the first show back after the summer and there's been quite a lot going on so i might ask you guys to comment on some of the stories that we've been more impressed or shocked by over the last few weeks and one of the recent one is a piece that's been published by which magazine which the consumer rights association in the uk about laptop repairs rip-offs in the UK. Mm. So they did one of their investigations where they sent, I believe, 18 repair laptops to be repaired to 18 different stores, all with the same small fault, and witnessed a variety of responses from both independent repairers and large chains, which indicated that, well, this was a very small fault uh, probably something that would cost time-wise a few, well, half an hour to, to diagnose and fix and uh, no spare part. In some cases, repair businesses were recommending that uh, a new hard drive, expensive one, would have to be installed and data recovery uh, would be very challenging, although it really wasn't in this case. Mm-hmm. So this is about the repair confidence uh, we have or we might risk of losing when things like that happen and for us at the Restore Project it's been a major source of concern as we try to promote repair not just in communities but also in society in general and I just was wondering how you feel about this and whether you had similar experiences in your day-to-day lives in uh, Glasgow Well for me um one of the analogies I think of is, you know, taking your car into the dealership to be fixed. Um, and there's a, you know, I, from, from my personal experience, there's a, there's a, a mistrust there of, you know, if you're somebody that doesn't know if your car is broken or what's wrong with it, just like if you, you know, if your computer has some fault that you don't know about, you want to take it to somebody and you want to trust them that they're going to do you know, that they're going to fix it and not overcharge you and do things that are unnecessary. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think there is, we, we haven't seen a lot of it yet um, in our events in Glasgow, but there is, in general, that mistrust of, um, you know, I, I need this to be fixed because it's, you know, we all rely on our our devices, um, whether we should or not. We, you know, we just we just do. And, um you want to be able to to trust somebody that they're going to fix it and not not overcharge you and not do things that are unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
one of the findings of this research was that independent small-scale repairs actually tend to be cheaper and mm -hmm. probably more trustworthy mm -hmm. when it comes to this compared to large chains. And what's the situation in, in Glasgow, uh, Lauren? Do you find more prevalence of small uh, stores independent or uh, quite large chains that take care of repairs? Uh, there are definitely some small stores, but I think um, the majority of stores are large. And honestly, that doesn't surprise me, that outcome of that, because I think the business models in both those two businesses are so different. Um, for example, the larger stores are there, there to make a huge amount of profit, um, whereas the smaller stores are more connected to their customers so it's not just another face it's it's a local it's someone who lives down the road it's someone who comes there regularly and that's the sort of ethos that we also like to promote at our community events so it's a it's a close network of people there's regular people coming in our volunteers are there every month um and i mean i think it's just such a difference when you go to a larger chain store to get your item repaired um, I actually put this article uh, on our social media on our Facebook and we had a response from uh, one of our I guess just uh, he doesn't come to our events I don't I, don't, I haven't seen him uh, his name is Gavin and he just spoke about how when he repairs um, he's just an individual his primary goal is to recover the data and then his secondary uh, is to return the unit into working order I think they found out with this study that a lot of the data um, was basically wiped um, from these laptops when it went to a larger organization and he said that um, one of the reasons are they don't really have time to do data recovery uh, it's too time consuming for them uh, and it pushes the cost up so they simply just wipe it um, and when he's repairing uh, himself he has the complete opposite end or opposite approach to repair so I guess that's something interesting to consider very good point about data recovering mm -hmm. and data backups so yeah. actually everyone listening please take a moment take yes. a deep breath and yes. do a backup yes he also pointed out that they don't they don't sign a waiver so they don't have to back up your data and oftentimes it's it's quite a shock when you get your get your um, laptop back and all your stuff isn't on it. Well, and one of the main issues causing anxiety in people when something goes wrong with a piece of electronics is indeed the data uh, mm -hmm. first. You know, yeah. you might have pictures of dear ones that happened to exactly. me, and uh, something stops working, and you are really in panic. And yeah. if you take time every now and again, maybe every week to mm -hmm. just make sure that you have a copy of the things that you really care about. Yeah. Uh, you'll be prepared and it's not going to be a big stress in case you need to part from your gadget for a little bit to ensure you can repair it. Great. Well, one of the other stories we've been reading is in more and more situations where uh, there is big repair businesses that are going either out of business or they're closing a number of shops uh, throughout the country. And it's interesting that there is uh, counter evidence that people are more and more interested in repairing their mobile devices and holding on to them for a bit longer, which we very much welcome, particularly as the 
features are kind of plateauing. They're not mm. really uh, providing anything that exciting for people. Mm -hmm. um, are you, have you seen people coming with their mobile phone trying to uh, repair it at, at your events so far? Yeah, we've had a we've definitely had a couple, uh, and I think. One of our volunteers, um, he actually is mostly proficient in bike repairs, but he's trying to learn and upskill himself and he's using iFixit um, as a way to do that. That's such a great resource because although our repairers are amazing and skilled, they don't know everything. Um, how could you be expected to know everything? So he's just sat with his phone looking at um, the iFixit um, uh, website and then just... Uh, attacking someone else's phone. <laughs> well, and just a, a reminder again uh, that iFixit is the world's largest uh, mm -hmm. collaborative repair guide. And yes. uh, we, we've been using it for a long time and we've collaborated on a number of projects with them. And if you are a community repair person or someone interested in helping others as well as learning from others, you can also contribute to I fix it whether it's in improving an existing guide or sharing some of your knowledge or perhaps translating some an, an article in a new language. So very good point. And uh, you mentioned bikes. Actually, another piece of news that's quite scary uh, is about bike sharing as the next frontier of electronic waste. And this is a story that uh, we read about that the increase in companies that allow you to uh, take bike sharing bikes for maybe a half hour or so, particularly the ones that are coming to the market now where you don't even need to put it back to a specific stall. These bikes do come with quite a bit of electronics in them to help you locate them and to unlock them uh, with an app or so and there's evidence that these piles of bikes when they are discarded uh, appropriate care for removing what is electrical waste and treating it appropriately isn't isn't happening it's not something that we have seen evidence for in the UK so far but there's been reports of places where one of the major bike sharing companies uh, was active in the United States and then decided to leave that market and just big piles of waste uh, of that kind. And so it's kind of an interesting reminder that the more we trade convenience and the, the sharing obviously is positive and potentially environmentally too, especially if it substitutes using taxis and, and other forms of transport powered by petrol. But there is a downside and we should keep an eye on how the companies that provide these services operate and ensure that proper maintenance and support and uh, extending the life of our products uh, occur. Are bike sharing uh, apps uh, popular in, in Glasgow as well? I know um, we, we do have some, some bike shares there. I think it's Next Bike. Yeah, there's definitely called. one main company that have mm. partnered with, I think, Glasgow City Council. Um, a lot of people have their own bicycles. It's not something that I ha like. I would know anyone who actually uses it. I think it's mostly tourists. 
um because if you're a cyclist you just you'll just have your own bike and there's lots of different bike projects around Glasgow and um, there's even one at Kinning Park Complex which is the community centre where we're based and lots of other lots of other great ones like Bike for Good and there's lots of different grants you can get for cycling projects so um I don't I think they're not as popular maybe for that reason would you agree John? I think so yeah I think that um there's a you know there's a lot of um well f- for there's a lot of refugees and asylum seekers mm-hmm. that that um uh, come through Glasgow or and and stay in Glasgow and um there's a huge need for bikes and there's lots of bikes to be had mm-hmm. um I think with the um back to your back to the story about mountains of um of bikes and and you know waste um again there can be an it's analogized to just about any kind of consumer item you know there are billions and billions of them are produced and when they're finished you know whatever the company decides that means um they just go out of use and they just get stacked somewhere rather than um saying oh, do we really need to make do we really need to manufacture a million widgets or whatever it is in this case bikes um definitely and and actually part of the problem is indeed that for some of these companies when they're leaving a market for instance it is much easier and at this point still to economically tempting to throw something away uh, rather than think about how those resources could be reallocated and given a second or third lease of life in communities Mm -hmm. or through other uh, ways and so until we fix that problem the fact that disposing of things is still the de facto easy option for corporates as well as for individuals in some cases then we we can't really fix uh, the way products are manufactured and of course the design of products actually comes comes to the rescue potentially like having an easy way to turn say such bikes into bikes that could be used without this electronic module and so you just remove the electronic module for example and recycle that while the bike has a new lease of life yeah i think it's like really important to hold those companies um uh like to a standard basically because prior to uh to them like ending the business they are kind of like greenwashing a bit they are promoting this like sustainable element of their of their business but then they aren't recycling their products and they're selling themselves in a way that consumers buy into this idea that they're helping the environment because they're supporting this business that are also they have the same ideals but actually their main objective is to make money and sometimes that can be a bit lost Absolutely. And finally, last bit of news that really shocked us was when Apple uh, in August reached valuation of $1 trillion. And the wonderful people at Information is Beautiful created a f- visualization that showed us how that compares with other values of things. And so we learned that, for example, the value of Apple is about one-third of the whole value of the UK GDP, for instance, and uh, that basically the value of Apple is 
one-fifteenth of the whole of the, the cost of the 2007-2008 financial crisis. And so it's really interesting to see how one single company is now so big and mm -hmm. powerful that actually uh, it, it's really, really hard to demand for change and for mm -hmm. better, more repairable products from them when they control so much power in their reserves and in their amount of cash they hold. You're listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM, and we are here with Lauren and John from Repair Cafe Glasgow. So we spoke about lots of interesting tech-related news, but we want to now hear a lot more about how you guys started uh, uh, a community repair group up in Scotland. How did it happen? Yeah, so Repair Cafe Glasgow has been uh, in existence um, as a functioning project since uh, this past April. And I'm the project manager, and Lauren is um, communications and events mm -hmm. um, manager. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of grew out of uh, a previous project that featured some um, casual um, repair events on Sundays. We did that for a couple years and then um, decided uh, when when some funding ran out that we said, hmm, maybe we could uh, maybe we could turn this into its own thing. So put together a little voluntary organization uh, and applied for some funding. And in, in Scotland, um, they have something called the Climate Challenge Fund, and it uh, receives money from the European um, Regional Development Fund. So we applied to that and got a couple years funding. So we've we've got that until uh, March 2020, and we do uh, repair events um, mostly every third Saturday for three hours. Uh, 12 to 3 at the Kenning Park Complex, which is a local uh, a local community center in, uh, in Kenning Park, Glasgow. And you've not been just running events at this center. From what I understand, you also pop out elsewhere and you have interesting plans in the future. In yeah, that yes, yes. So I think it's important when you're starting an organization not just to stay in one place, especially when, like us, you're part of a larger movement, which is the repair movement. We need to be talking to as many people in as many different locations as possible around Glasgow. Um, so our project, although based at Kidding Park Complex, um, we have also, we've done pop-up events um, at a coffee shop um, called The Good Coffee Cartel, which do great coffee if you're ever in Glasgow. Um, we're also going to be working with a community centre in the east end of Glasgow called The Space. Um, and then we are also doing a pop-up event um, on the 21st of September um, at Locavore, which is a, it started as like a community grocer um, in the south side of Glasgow on Victoria Road. And it's now, uh, they have a zero waste project. So it's in association with that, um, as well as a new tool library, which has opened up um, called the Southside Tool Library. Um, so I think, yeah, it's important when you're starting out to be as active and as present in different parts of Glasgow um, as possible so as many people can get involved and learn about repair. And are you aiming to reach uh, mostly 
older people or young people? What's the breakdown of your uh, volunteers and participants? I think at the moment we actually are attracting quite a young audience. I think that's got to do with location. It's got to do with um, myself and John. We're quite young people uh, who are running the project. Um, the base of volunteers who are already at Kidding Park Complex uh, tends to be under 40. Um, so it, we just kind of from the get go started engaging with younger people. Um, we definitely want to put emphasis on an intergenerational skill share. Um, younger people tend to not have the skills of repair that older generations have or not even the skills just kind of the the get-go just to just to have a go at repairing something they're just older generations tend to be um more able it's more of a common idea just to have a go at repairing something and we want to empower the younger generation to repair and not just get a new thing and do you find that uh, your repair volunteers are motivated by a passion for repair or an environmental concern or social justice? W what drives them? All of those things, yes, definitely. Um, I think uh, a big uh, chunk of our repairers um, are possibly um, have the skills and like the problem-solving aspect of repair, especially with community repair events where literally anything can come in. Um, uh, and they definitely really like that element. And then we have some um, volunteers who volunteer in our cafe and they also, so they don't have any repair skills yet. They want to learn, but they're willing to chat about sustainability and they want to have those conversations and they want to be a part of that larger movement and they want to be in that space where they have the opportunity to learn and upskill themselves. So it's definitely a combination of people. One of the issues that new groups tend to have at the beginning is attracting a diverse enough group of people, and especially when it comes to gender, uh, that men tend to be super enthusiastic about getting involved with repair. I was wondering whether you have uh, your experience in something similar or you're trying to avoid it. Yeah, I think at the moment our project is very gendered. So we have textile repairs. Um, and all our textile repairs are women and all our electronic and electrical repairs are men. Um, they're not all white men, but they are all men. It's it's a total gender thing. Um, not so much about race, because where we are in Glasgow is a total diverse place, a total cultural melting pot. Um, but when it comes to gender diversity, it's there's not much. It, it is completely a gendered issue. Um, we're going to work with actually an organisation uh, called Bank of Govan Hill, uh, who are based in the south side of Glasgow, to run workshops, repair workshops for uh, women and non-binary people in the next couple of months. And then we're going to host an event at their new swap market that they have. Um, on Victoria Road, um, where the women will come and work with that tool library, uh, the new tool library in the south side, um, to fix fix the tools as well that people donate So, uh, and teach people how to fix tools. So it's something we're working on. We definitely want to uh, strengthen gender equality within this movement. Brilliant. And uh, you mentioned an interest in uh, campaigning and in kind of crossing the hyper-local activity that mm -hmm. happens at these events. 
with uh, uh, you know being part of the global repair movement. Mm -hmm. Do you have something specific in mind? Yeah, I think um, I think I think that like campaign element is just really important to us. We don't have a particular really strategy that we're employing. We're kind of just taking from different strategies from campaigning in general and on a daily basis em employing them I into our into our volunteer organization like looking outward things these things don't just happen in a vacuum there's always someone who cares as much as you do about the thing you are really really passionate about and it's about finding those people and bringing them together great and i've learned that you have an event coming up on the 20th of October, which will be International Repair Day. And uh, so where we'll celebrate repair throughout the world, the community events, and hopefully with repair businesses and people just desiring to share their passion for repair. John, you... Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one one way that we kind of contribute, um, not in a, in a direct activism way, but... Um, we've been participating in entering information into the fixometer, um, and repair ca the Repair Cafe Foundation um, in Amsterdam also has uh, a, a similar thing that, that does a little bit different. Uh, it has a little bit different of a way it works, but it's called the Repair Monitor. Um, so we're we're hoping, you know, with all of the information that's loaded in that, it can be used um, in campaigning, in you know, talking to. Um, you know, legislatures yeah. uh, about collecting and sharing data about mm -hmm. the most exactly. frequent uh, yeah. faults that we experience and how future products could be made to be more repairable. Uh, yeah, because the evidence from everyday people that are striving to repair is, is really missing sometimes. And lastly, I just wanted to know if the tradition that Glasgow has of innovation and industry is something that you're seeing in some of the participants that, that come to your events. Yeah, John and I actually spoke about this earlier, and uh, I don't know if you can hear from our accents, but we're both uh, not from Glasgow. Uh, <laughs> and although we were aware of Glasgow being an industrial city, not quite aware of its innovation, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's definitely something uh, that our repairers uh, do, I guess, on a... I think, John, you can speak about more specific kind of zany repairs. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think may maybe not specifically, um, you know, a Glaswegian thing, but there definitely is, as you as you know, as you've seen from restart parties, you know, there is um, innovation that happens just right there, um, seat of the pants, you know, right there in the moment mm -hmm. um, where you use some some duct tape or a zip tie or a some you know some some blue tack uh to fix something um we we are working with a project that is um involved in steam the science technology education arts and math um that that really is i would say in um using innovation um in those areas to address all these issues we've been talking about um specifically through using um, electronic items that are just laying around or that you take out of the bin. And um, there's one guy in particular that just is a genius with this stuff. So he's like, hey, I made a heart monitor out of an air freshener container. You know? <laughs> there you um, go. So, so definitely uh, there's at least one guy that's very innov innovative. 
Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today in the studio and good luck for spreading the repair movement across Scotland and beyond, hopefully. Now we have a special message from Alvin, our fantastic volunteer. Do you have a knack for starting up dead electronic devices and electrical appliances? Our team of volunteers are what keeps a restart project running. We are looking for more men and women to join our community, our monthly restart parties, which happen all over London and are spreading across England, are a great way to meet people and learn new skills. Visit the restartproject.org. Be part of a movement that puts life back into the world of electronics. Great. And if you are looking for help fixing anything with a plug or a battery, or if you'd like to contribute your skills, including for headphones, radios, and all audio equipment, our next restart party in London is this Saturday, the 15th of September in Leiterstone at St. John's Church Hall from 11 to 2. And also coming up, Hackney's fourth annual festival of fixing the big fix at the Gallery Stock Newington Library on the 22nd of September. Find out more at our website, therestartproject.org, or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Thanks to Optonauts and Cassini Sound. We're here once a month. Till next time.